Tonight, the observance night, uh, regular uh, occasion, this repeating occasions of every seven or eight days, observance night comes around. And a sense of uh, it's a very ancient uh, tradition, going back to the t- even before the time of the Buddha. The sense in which in mood is in certain phases, cosmos, the order in the cosmos is a particular quality that's ripe for skillfulness. It's as if the cosmos comes into a very harmonious conjunction with people's minds and it's up to us to ascertain truth, live in accordance with values, uh, values that sustain harmony, blessing, auspiciousness, welfare, for our welfare, and to seek guidance externally and of course internally. So this occasion and then repeating it time and time and time and time again. So there's a cyclical quality to it. We turn around, come back again, review, recollect what is constantly here, what's always here, what's awake, what's alert, am I in harmony with internally, externally, my fellow humans, with my situation here, my family, friends, all these being attended to carefully. And we're living in <coughs> accordance with truth, with values, with virtue, harmlessness, patience, restraint. We're turning these over and over. So we're coming back. And this is the, like the ritual, you could say. The ritual doesn't have quite, it's not such a good word these days, because it always always means a sense of something that's just purely empty, because that's what it's become. But actually, um, you know, in the time of the Buddha, in ancient times, where Ritta is the order, the whole cosmos is, is Ritta, it's the orderliness, the things, the being in harmony, the wholeness being balanced. And it's up to human beings to listen and learn from that and find their own balance within that. So the sense of unity as within, without, we're living in harmony. We're not living in ways that cause destruction, imbalance, greed, hatred, delusion, manipulation, ex- exploitation, and so on. Yeah. So this sense of, you call that ritual, Ritta Dharma another word and 
uh, you know, you get, you, you kind of recollect the um, whole spiritual flow which the Buddha came out of. You know, sense of there being a, an intelligent cosmos. <coughs> It's up to us to live in harmony with, so that, and the theme is if we live in harmony with that, with that our own minds become quiet, beautiful, harmonious, our lives are a blessing for ourselves and for others. So that's established, and I think what the Buddha and some of the earlier teachers, the Upanishadic teachers were pointed to is just extend that process, so it's not just the external, really go deeply into one's jitta, one's heart, mind, and weed out these delusions, ignorance, obscurations that keep us selfish, greedy, uh, fearful, uh, out of harmony weed them out, clear them out, so that you live in harmony, there's a deep inner silence, balance, poise, uh, that's not of this world, and in that jitta finds its rest, ceases from struggling, suffering, clamoring, fighting, proliferating, It, 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 it finds its rest. Uh, it's unbound, as the Buddha said, from this kind of endless ongoing. Mm-hmm. I think this is quite a, an important perspective to bear in mind. And in monasteries and in monastic training, that's right there as the basic blueprint, whatever the monastery is or the style is, if it's living it properly, that sense, that understanding, whether it's taught or expressed, that, that is it being expressed in the standards and the training that we live by. We had an Upasampada a few days ago, another ritual, you could say another form, another observance, same thing. Wherever you go in Theravada Buddhist country you can have pretty much the same thing, maybe a few minor details. The core of it is set. <laughs> it's always the, the core process is, is set. And you have to follow that to the syllable. <laughs> so that the, the, the ritual is properly carried out. And there's no personal take on that. It's not a fun one or a new one. Or It's just the same. <laughs> the idea is that core quality is held steady and then the people live their lives and flow around that, you know, all the practice comes out of that. And that sense of tuning in to, to a, a archaic and venerated and much lived um, <coughs> observation, ritual, observance, duty, however you want to call it, and getting a feeling for that. Because this is this is a huge thing, really, and, and a big step that in this society and culture is a very big step. And sometimes you come to it through meditation. Think, what is all this about? 
I mean, surely we just watch the breath or contemplate what's going on in thoughts, quiet the mind. What's all this stuff to do with? <laughs> because we approach things very much not from the cosmos, but from the individual. There's no cosmos, in fact. <laughs> you know, we, we kind of started abolishing that in about the 16th century, gradually stripping it away. So we've got nothing left. There's no unifying world cosmic order that people feel themselves belonging to. They belong to the state, or the corporation, or the culture. Very much the human has taken over the cosmos. The cosmos is gone. And that affects very much our attitudes towards duties, observances, because when the human order it gets placed upon human beings is not one of this is the sacred, <coughs> this is getting into touch with something that will give you deep rest and value. No, this is the rules that you follow, otherwise, you're going to get punished or lose your job or get your visa cancelled or something else. It's very worldly. And, and, uh, and so, naturally, with that, we think it doesn't respect you. You know, you've got no way, uh, in terms of real values, of resonating with that. You just obey it, or else. <laughs> and so naturally, there's a kind of thing that these forms are either dead, or actually something I'd rather resent. The real vitality is in the individual, the spontaneous, the, you know, the quirky, the original the one that's like nothing else and that which is uniform is considered the dead the conformist you know it's got no vitality it's not it's not it has no vitality no vitality in it so this is a big shift to come from you know almost <coughs> like the apogee of the individual the romantic post-romantic everyone for themselves find your own truth truth changes by the minute <laughs> Truth is just what's happening in my head now, <laughs> whether you like it or not. I've got my own truth, which is you know, it's just you're on your own, Jack. I'm all right, Jack. <laughs> to something whereby I defer, and I don't do this because I'm pathetic or weak, but I choose to. Well, there's something deeper than just my passions, urges, opinions, views, compulsions of the moment. I want to listen to something deep, so I defer, I pause, I check, I hold back, I listen. And then, so that, this is kind of like the fundamental quality of our training. And that, that's set up, is encouraging a particular disengagement from the socially conditioned mind and the idea is this is not so that you become a good obedient little Buddhist but so that you know which you might do of course you know and you might think that's what it's about we just to keep rules so we don't get punished and we belong to the right club yeah you could look at it like that and maybe you could even practice it like that but it won't really be for one's welfare and fulfillment 
And the understanding in this lineage is these vattas, which is another sense of it, observances, that which is the appropriate duty, are vehicles to the ongoing process of clarifying, purifying, drawing a citta out of its confusion and entanglements into this place where it could quiet down and rest and feel satisfied. And in this particular lineage, those that's that's there's a lot of that. You know. And you might say one of the fundamental fundamental references that as you pause and you restrain and you look back is what does the Sangha want? What's appropriate to the community? Not just here, but also as I travel around and go from place to place, clearly I try to live in harmony with the people. But also bear in mind you know, the community of Arahants, of great teachers, if I'm bearing those in mind, am I practicing ways that I would not feel ashamed if in their presence? Am I kind of trying to find my way to that? Do I bear that in mind when I, when I check and pause? Yeah. This, we're living in harmony with Sangha. Because one of the, um, I think we, of course we take for granted in here, the situation, you know, you can see, well, if you go to a retreat center, say the Buddha taught the Dhamma. Sometimes the Buddha gets kind of edited out. There is the Dhamma, it sort of arose in uh, 1968. <laughs> <laughs> The Buddha was, yeah, he was had some good ideas. He was, you know, he was a bit man of his times. So we passed, we've improved on that, and now we've got, you know, we're always improving the Dharma, and so we've left the Buddha behind. But <laughs> <coughs> so you can meet our contemporary needs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But it's not, you know, the Buddha taught Dhammavinaya and he generated a Sangha. These, you know, in the monastery you take Sangha pretty much for granted. But, you know, in the time of the Buddha, these, these uh, uh, summoners, pretty wild bunch. You know, they were kind of out there in the jungles. I mean, the crew he was, went forth with, his first five friends or ascetics, you know. I mean, if you go to India today, you'll see ascetics. They're a pretty grim looking lot, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's just, they're out there. It's jungle. It's wild. And, uh, and he had enough access to truth personally lived personally penetrated to personally and able to express it that he could pull by his own magnetic power you could say he could pull people these wild people into a sense of an order 
that would gradually cohere and start to do judicial procedures and proper functions and establish you know um, teaching structures that <coughs> could be presented to many people <coughs> and he said do you have a duty to each other you have no mother no father you must look after each other uh, the teacher has a duty to his disciple the disciple has a duty to the teacher the summoner has a duty to the lay people to present the Dhamma lay people have a duty to the summoner to offer them appropriate requisites yeah? and these duties this is what establishes Sangha and the duty of the summoner is to make yourself easy to look after contented with little not demanding and you learn through those through those kind of criteria it starts to model and mould the way you speak and act a summoner does not ask he makes his needs known he doesn't demand he turns up with a bowl makes his needs known he has no it's improper to ask his duty is to not but to make needs known invites the language the process the, the mutual relationship between summoners and between summoners and lay people is one of make our needs known we offer we invite we request it's very soft it allows people room to to enter as they can and to bring forth what they wish to bring forth to the teachings food offerings requisites kitchen is your area not ours we have no rights there it's your food you feel you do what you feel is appropriate we turn up with our bowls and that means everybody has some sense of their own place and their own potential and their own, you could say, authority even. And, but held within a relational field yeah, of how we serve and support and encourage and how we model that. Because everybody, they're doing that, everybody's finding, modeling themselves around restraint, pausing, checking, what's appropriate here and just this, I mean, this is what community is and you can see that here we are like somewhere <laughs> out in backwoods of Ontario probably for me I don't know where it is uh, and uh, you can do this this ceremony ceremony Again, for many people, that's just a pity. Like, it means it's just a big, kind of formal thing with no value, no real value to it. People turn up because they're seeing presented people who are agreed to live with each other with no. You know, it's not. It's not a. It's not a bond in any other way. It's not a financial bond, it's not a, fa- it's not a family bond, it's not a child-rearing bond, it's not a job bond. A bond in which we're going to cooperate so we will learn about ourselves, 
we'll learn <coughs> restraint and we'll learn how to offer and we'll learn how to live with each other and we'll learn about what it is to be human and we'll operate a certain, certain blueprint of guidelines and that's, those bind us together Patimoka means a thorough binding yeah. bound together in something and you've, you've asked to do it about a binding that curiously enough leads to the unbinding of the compulsions delusions greeds and hatred and this really is a powerful sign and I think this is why it pulls people the same thing in Britain you do a upasampada is the word for it it means something like a thoroughly a step has been thoroughly gathered in you know, it's like thoroughly taken in you've, you've been thoroughly gathered into this bond this training bond and you know I think one of the big things about it is just people witnessing something that has this sort of gravity to it and yet it's also very much like he's just oh, these guys wearing just these robes you know, they're not like regalia and trumpets are playing and yada yada nobody's getting awards and gongs and stuff <laughs> they're just agreeing gathering together to, to help two other people, one other person three other people, whatever it is into this community and you see community is something that people crave and very, very, very rare. It makes such good sense economically, and it makes good sense in terms of uh, fellowship, mutual support. Uh, why don't everybody do it? <laughs> well, there's the story. That's why it takes training, because people don't understand blueprints. You know, we don't. There's no. There's no. We don't. There's not a guide. There's not a thoroughly worked out blueprint of how to live together that we all agree to to operate with. No. If you enter a community with, we're going to sort this out amongst ourselves as to who does what. Well, that's going to be constant argument, negotiation, complication. You know, oh, forget it. I think I live on my own. <laughs> you know, who's going to, who's on top? Whereas in this, you've got a community established around mutual respect for each other, also respect for a tra- training and a lineage that goes deep, 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 and way back. You know? And we start to learn things like, you know, respect, which again, when I was a young person, young man, respect was not a concept. That <laughs> It was not a word I ever used. And if it ever was used, you think, oh, it means who you think he is. You know, it was like a power thing. So, you, you know, just bringing such a concept back to life as this is a way in which I, you know, I look for and I bring up your value. And I, well, whatever he looks like or she says, there's a human being in there with awareness, a moral sense, and I'm going to refer to that. 
and she can be who she is I'm not going to mess with that but there's certain behaviours I look for and I hold those and I'm not going to try and do some number on him or her that's that, in that, that sense of you know I don't, I don't have to agree with you to respect you I don't even like you to respect you but it's that sense of we stand on common ground as human beings and I wish you well with that and offering that and in summer life that quality is refined and refined and refined in detail you have respect for your robes this is given people offered me this it's not just an old rag I got out of a store somewhere this is something that's offered to me this represents the faith of lay people this represents the lineage of the Buddha you can't just sling it around you know <laughs> you have to look after it the bowl it's not just a dinner plate this is a sacred you know this is they call it treated like the skull of the Buddha See, we carry very carefully all training rules how to, how to handle a bowl respectfully yeah. then you have a preceptor he's not just some affable old geezer <laughs> <laughs> you know the boss okay yeah, boss thanks very much do my, do my three hours duty to him and that's it because he's the governor no this is my upajaya he's kind of lifted me in you know I have a, I have a lifetime relationship with his being I wouldn't, you know, I couldn't be in this without that. So then we're not, you know, whatever it is as a person, the upajaya is the upajaya. You know, you don't have to even like them that much or understand them, but there's a sense of the duties that one has. To mean, you're not trying to win them over, but you're training, training your own mind to look at certain qualities this is the one who gave me the going forth that quality is precious this is the one who is modelling exemplifying you know the holy life that's to be treasured this is the one who's practiced it for 10, 20, 30 years that is quality that's commitment yeah I respect that so we're taking these cosmos which is built out of dharmas which we all have within ourselves and we can operate through and those are the the lines that you start to trace and move around in that makes it both uh, requires a lot of attention and alignment because for sure you know there's all this visual world going on, there's people and events and stuff you can do uh, and you know all that and these kind of things you do and our training is that yes but this is because this is Sangha duty and Sangha duty is also respectful 
composed, restrained, putting forth energy in appropriate places. And through that training, you're reading. You've got a you've got a reading on the cosmos, on Dharma. Yeah. And this means, you know, though people call it monastic, it's not really monastic. Yeah, we're summoners. And uh, yeah, we have we use monasteries because this is places where people can gather. Shelter is given, which is great. Food, it's it's very convenient. But I think it also sells it. It, it sells it a little short, you know, because then, oh, yeah, there's people living in houses, there's people living in monasteries, same thing, just some guys wear robes and some guys don't. No, not really. <laughs> no, 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 the sauna has a whole kind of web of allegiances and loyalties that they move around with. So, myself, you know, I've been in monasteries in Australia, New Zealand. I've been in monasteries in Nepal, in China, I've been in monasteries in America, Canada, you know, England, of course. And you, you, you know, one knows the guidelines. So, you know, some of the walls, the physical appearance of the monastery just sort of fades into the background. And you know, oh, this is the duty of the incoming the guest to the visit to the to the hosts. So you learn that one. You understand this means wherever you go, you operate like that. If I'm the host, this is my duty as a host to the guest. This is my duty as an incomer to the sangha. Yeah, this is what I can ask for, make my needs known about, and this, you just you know all this stuff, and you start to move around with that. And it means wherever you go, you know, the actual location is just an occasion where you can crystallize these particular qualities in time and place. You live them out, you bring them to light in this country, in this place, and they manifest and other people see it. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. There's something good about that. This is community. This is relationship. This is a sense of harmony. These are rare, you know. And you carry the, the fundamental kit, you carry around with you, in your heart, and you just put it out there. But this is really what our, our life as summoners is about, you know. And there's this ehipasiko, come and look. Doors open, no charge. I like to, even though, you know, I like to remember my training, live at the root of a tree. Yeah, well, my tree at the moment is pretty nice. (laughs) 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 Couldn't ask for a better tree. One of the best trees in Canada, I reckon. (laughs) It's got a bath, a shower in it. (laughs) Got a kettle, hot water kettle. I still consider root of a tree... Yeah, so I think, okay, well, you know, often I just leave the door open. It means anybody want to come in, just come in. I'm not domesticated. So this is somehow an open space. This is Sangha territory. Yeah, I leave the door open, just, you know, cough or something, wander in. You don't have to, it's not my territory, you know. 
and within that then I look after my space and so on and what the duties required the elder asked me to present Dhamma my privilege my service and uh, offer it and you find that every everywhere you've got the overall duties and you've got specific duties the duty of the elder to supervise to oversee the thing and then the duty of the others to recognise hey the elder is doing this trying to keep aware of the whole thing I'll pick up the details this bit of detail, that bit of detail and he looks after the whole thing you know and and so on so it, you see how these pieces all fit together although this may seem because what I'm doing really um, and offering particularly for the, the newly gone forth ones and to bear in mind this training and to study what we call the kicha vata the vata, the rutta the duties, the observances which kicha should be done yeah, uh, to the refectory to the kuti, you know, the cleaning, the tidying, the putting things in order, to the robes, the bowls, the preceptors, to each other. Not just as chores that we do with a, so we can get this out of the way then we can meditate, <laughs> but actually as where we align our mindfulness, comprehension, att- attentiveness, alertness, as a daily life and within that then occasions when things <coughs> pause and stop and then we let the mind return to its basis you've worked it, you've trained it, you've energised it, you've restrained it, you've lifted it, you've pushed it and now you've worked it, now it's become malleable and you sit something you can dwell in what's the result of that and over the years this is like a like a, a steady rinsing and cleaning of chitta for those who have not gone forth this is a sign yeah and you look at what monasteries can do as a as an incomer as a newly entered person you look around Bear in mind, everything is part of the practice. The getting up, keeping your room tidy, part of the practice. Living in harmony with other guests, absolutely part of the practice. Yeah, they're not people you've chosen to be with. Well, that's the same for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> but gradually we've become so that we do easily fit together because we've learned restraint, sharing. Uh, fearlessness, uh, honesty, uh, kindness, up for you, it's the same training, duties to be done, kitchen, uh, working, the silences, silence to be observed, the restraint to be observed, and all this is very much the presentation of uh, what the Buddha was doing, and what's been done and what's been keeping being done in this this time yeah. 
So we come to the observance. We just pause, sort of like you lift. How is it now? It's been the last week. The events have tumbled through, changes have occurred, you know, ongoing flow of things not finished, things that could be, should be, was, yeah, all that goes on, but what remains <coughs> as you lift from the flow of, of occurrence and you focus on your values and dwell in them? Have they been strengthened? Have they been respected? Have you lived them out? This is an occasion to remind ourselves. So, where it's gone slack, let's lift it up. Yeah. Where we've done it but haven't really rejoiced it, let's let's enjoy it. Let's remember it, enjoy it. Yeah. So our lives are joyful and clear. So, off these few your words for your reflection this evening. <coughs> Annamayang obadatamakataya sadhu karangadama se Sadhu, 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 anumodhani